I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Here's a question for you. Are you different than you were five years ago? Well, of course you are. But from a spiritual sense, from a heart sense, are you more patient? Are you more courageous? Are you better in your relationships? Are you more able to discern and follow God's will for you in your life? This idea of moral progress, transformation, real life change through God has always been a hallmark of the Christian faith and the spiritual life. And the story that we just heard in Luke chapter 19 of Zacchaeus is perhaps the greatest quintessential example in the Bible of bona fide life change and transformation through God. So I thought we could look at this story a little bit together, the story of Zacchaeus, and I have three signposts for us to guide our discussion. Number one, the crisis of corruption. Number two, the gratuity of grace. And number three, the crucible of conversion. And then we'll try to bring it all in for a landing. So here we are, Zacchaeus, the crisis of corruption. Well, some of you probably have heard this before in a Bible study. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and that means that he was a man of the Jewish tradition who lived in Jericho, and he collected taxes from his own people on behalf of the Romans. So he himself was not a Roman, but he sort of worked for them, and it was well known that tax corruptors, tax collectors, would skim a little extra off the top. If he needed to collect 80 denarii, he would collect 100 and keep 20 for old Zacchaeus. They were known to be unscrupulous, they were known to be scoundrels, and not only that, if you really think about it, they were enhancing their own wealth, Zacchaeus was, and it said he was very rich, so he was doing a good job at this, enhancing his own wealth on the backs of his own people in order to benefit an occupying power. The word corruption comes to mind to describe Zacchaeus. And if you think to yourself, okay, well, that's him. I would never do something like that. In a way, you're probably right. But the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, you must escape from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So listen to what that says. Corruption exists because of sinful desire, the Bible says. And so it's not just that corruption sort of reveals itself out of nothing or because there are people like Zacchaeus out there, but from the sinful desires of our hearts, and we all have a heart, and therefore there are more than enough sinful seeds in our hearts to lead us down a path toward destruction. There's a modern philosopher who says there are three things in life that can take you out. Deceit, arrogance, and resentment. These three things can take you out. Deceit, arrogance, and resentment. And when you think about it, Zacchaeus had all three working at once. But you've probably seen times in your life when you've hit rock bottom or scraped it anyway, 
I imagine that one of those factors was at play. So there's sort of two ideas here as we think about the crisis of corruption. You know, number one is don't end up like Zacchaeus, but also realize that the line between good and evil runs right through the human heart. And each one of us, brothers and sisters, because of these sinful desires of our hearts, has more than enough ammunition, if you will, to lead us down a path toward personal destruction in which we end up, well, if you think about somebody like Zacchaeus, you end up hating everybody else, and then you end up hating yourself. So that's all the bad news. But what happens? Well, Zacchaeus climbs a tree. He hears that Jesus is coming to town, into Jericho, into his own city, so he climbs a tree in order to get a better look at him. And here's where we get to the gratuity of grace. Because all Zacchaeus wants to do is have a look at Jesus. And we do this all the time, by the way. You know, Zacchaeus doesn't want to have a conversation with Jesus. He doesn't want to have a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't necessarily want to hear what Jesus has to say. He just wants to kind of see what Jesus is up to from a distance, right? But he gets way more than he's bargained for. Gratuity means something on top of that which you expected. And so the gratuity of grace is getting more than you expected or more than you desired in a good way, in your benefit probably thinking of times in your life where maybe you received more than you expected in a good way. And so here's Zacchaeus up in his tree, and Jesus, through the whole crowd, comes right to where he is, looks up, calls him by his first name, and says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. You know, people talk about Jesus being hospitable, and he was, but it's interesting how often he's inviting himself over other people's houses. <laughs> But like I said, Zacchaeus just wanted to have a look, and instead he got a personal meal and a life-changing transformation from the Messiah, the Son of God. The gratuity of grace over and above. And what are the elements of grace? Well, let's remind ourselves, grace is personal. Notice how Jesus comes right to Zacchaeus' tree. It's kind of like the woman in the Gospels who had the hemorrhaging blood, and there were all the people in the crowd, and she said, if I can just reach out and touch the edge of his cloak, I will be healed. And she did, and she was. And Jesus said, who touched me? And they said, what are you talking about? There's a whole crowd of people around you. But he turns and he speaks right to her and says, daughter. He does the same thing with Zacchaeus as if he were the only person in the world, as if this woman with the flow of blood was the only woman in the world to Jesus. And do you know what? At that moment, she was, and he was. And when Jesus comes to you, it is as if you are the only person in the world. That's how he loves you. The gratuity of grace. Grace comes from outside of ourselves. Grace is free. Grace is transformative. And one more thing, grace will never force itself upon us. It's not how God works. And yet, all grace needs is a little opening, a little crack in the door, and it will come rushing in. That's how grace works. It needs an invitation, but just a little one. Well, what happens to our friend Zacchaeus? Number three, 
There's the crucible of conversion. What does that mean? The crucible of conversion. Well, we hear Zacchaeus says right away, I'm going to stop. I'm going to change. I'm going to give half my money to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone anything, I will repay it fourfold. Friends, sometimes things happen in our lives that are transformative, and they happen all at once. Other times, I know many of you have been Christians for years and decades, a lifetime, and you say it doesn't always happen like that all at once. That's right. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes years or even decades to see certain changes in who we are and who God is calling us to be. But as Father Ed Kelleher used to say, there's no retirement from the kingdom of God. There's no retirement from the Christian journey. So sometimes that sort of transformative, grace-filled power is worth waiting for. But for Zacchaeus, it happens all at once. And it happens, if you will, in the crucible of conversion. What's a crucible? Well, it's a bowl that you heat precious metal in in order to liquefy it and to purify it. My wife, Danielle, who's more ambitious and interesting than I am, she recently took a jewelry-making class at Glen Echo, and so they were using silver to make jewelry. That was pretty cool. And I don't know if they got to use a crucible, but it would be neat if they did. It's my understanding that as you heat molten silver, the poor qualities, the dross, if I have that right, is separated and removed. In the book of Malachi, this is one of the great metaphors of how God sees our sin. It says, the Lord will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify his people and refine them like gold and silver. That's the grace-filled love, the burning power of the Lord that brings us into the crucible of conversion to, to burn away those things that are holding us back. When we become Christians, when we are Christians, there are certain things, certain behaviors that you get to a point and you say, yeah, I'm just not going to do that anymore. There might be other behaviors and ways of being, ways of acting that you feel drawn to. And you say, yeah, those are the things that I'm going to set my heart on. When we do baptisms, the baptismal covenant, we say, I renounce them. I renounce evil desires. Remember that? What does that mean? It means to push it away. And then if you're going to push something away, you've got to draw something else close. We say, do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your savior? Yeah, draw that close. That's what happens in the crucible. But listen to this. Jesus will never take away something that you wouldn't have been better off without anyway. Jesus will never take away something that you wouldn't be better off without anyway. And if you want to see the defining characteristic of Zacchaeus at the end of this story, it's the word joy. He's overjoyed with what Jesus has done for him in the crucible through the gratuity of grace. Well, you say, Father Matthew, you have to be careful of legalism, this idea of measuring up and performing in order to earn God's favor. Isn't that legalism? Not quite. Because, friends, you have to keep your eyes on the order of operations. You see, this story, 
Just like our stories has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it goes in order. And the Christian life has an order of operations. Now, why do I keep saying it like that? Because I'm thinking of middle school and high school math. If you have recently been in high school or middle school, could you please raise your hand? Accolades, come on, let me see a hand. If you live with someone who has recently been in high school or middle school, can you raise your hand? Well, in math class, they do this thing called the rule of PEMDAS. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. The rule of PEMDAS is how you solve, you know what I'm talking about, a long mathematical problem in order. And PEMDAS, each letter stands for something else. So P for parentheses, E for exponents, M for multiplication, D for division, A for, no, A for addition, and S for subtraction. In that order, or else you get the whole thing wrong. You follow the rule of PEMDAS, the order of operations. Well, friends, the Christian life also has an order of operations. Notice that Zacchaeus doesn't wake up, jump out of bed one day, and say, I'm going to change everything about who I am. No, 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 no. He starts by realizing that he's in a crisis. He climbs a tree with a little bit of curiosity, and then he has a personal encounter with Jesus. He comes into a personal relationship with grace. And then he finds himself in a situation of true and bona fide life change, behavioral alteration. He's different. But notice the steps. I have one more idea for you. When Zacchaeus was climbing the tree, Jesus was already walking into Jericho. What does that mean? Friends, it means that no matter how long you've been a Christian, every time you take one step toward God, he's already taken three steps toward you. As Zacchaeus was climbing the tree, Jesus was already walking in to Jericho. Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.